Welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and today I have a fantastic guest with me. Andy Marquette is joining me and we are talking about the 10 best romantic lesbian movies. Hi, Sheena. Hi, everybody. How are you guys? I hope you're doing fabulously well. And we are doing this, I'm assuming, because Valentine's Day is coming. Yes? Well, Valentine's Day has passed because this is going live on Friday, but yes. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Keep celebrating, you guys. Just just do it. Be romantic for the rest of the week. I like this plan. There needs to be more romance, don't you think? I think there has to be tons more romance in the world. All right. So we're settled then. It's okay to have Valentine's Day all week, you guys. Okay. So in coming up with my five best romantic lesbian movies, I had a little bit of a criteria that the movies had to fit. So the first thing for me was no lesbian dies. You can't have a romantic movie where a lesbian dies. I agree. Now, there's a slight twist to this one because one of my film selections, which I actually think might be your film selection, but one of the films on this list has a dog that dies. But the dog comes back to life at the end, so that's okay. <laughs> but if, if the dog wasn't a lesbian, I suppose it's okay. <laughs> Well, it's a lesbian dog. Of course it's a lesbian dog. All dogs should be. Okay. So, have you not met me? I believe everybody should be a lesbian. It has to be a good film, not a good lesbian film. And what I mean by that is it has to stand up to global film standards. I'm not interested in, you know, watching movies that are, are good for lesbian films because lesbian films are so bad. I want to watch a movie that's a good movie that happens to have lesbian characters. Mm -hmm. And because we're talking romantic movies here... There has to be a happy ever after. So those were my three things that I looked at when I was choosing which films made my list. Well, that's kind of a hard standard there, Sheena. <laughs> like, Sheena's like the critic, you guys. I'm like, oh, that was so cute. I love that movie. And, you know, even if the movie was not the best and definitely not Oscar material. Like, I'm not looking for like... Oscar material. I'm just looking for, like, a decent film. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Here's the thing for me, and this is what I do with the books as well that I review, is I'm looking for a good book, first and foremost. I'm not looking for a good lesbian book, because unfortunately, lesbian books are not always the best books, because people are happy to settle for second best. And I don't think the industry is ever going to really get the top-notch stuff if we keep expecting it to be poor. Same with film. Yes, I agree. I can get behind that. Okay. Okay, cool. Those are pretty much my criteria as well. I just I was looking for fun, romantic, or things that make you think, but where the lesbians don't die or get sick and, you know, end up with cancer or whatever the hell. <clears throat> we wanted happy romance. Yes. So my first pick is Bound. Bound is directed by the Wachowski brothers, who are now the Wachowski siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I have it categorized as a sexy as hell thriller set in the seedy underworld of the mob. So basically the story is about Corky, who's a lesbian ex-con, and she's hired to work in an apartment as a plumber and a general sort of handy woman. And she meets her neighbors, Caesar, and Caesar's girlfriend, Violet. Now, Caesar's a money launderer, and basically his girlfriend and Corky get together to steal $2 million that Caesar has laundered, and he's got custody of it for like 24 hours. This film is just beautiful. It is sexy. It is well shot. It is a fast-paced... It, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to love this movie. God, I haven't seen that one in a while. 
But yes, it is. I re- the cinematography I thought was really good on that, and the characters were, I they were just believable, and the acting was pretty solid. So yeah, good film, and there's some good sexy scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a happy ever often end and, and great music. And for those of you that don't know, the Wachowski brothers did the Matrix trilogy, right? So you've got that sexy cinematography and the sexy soundtrack and the sexy dialogue, but it's a it's a lower budget than, than the Matrix was. Still very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a good film. Yay! So, and I know that, I think that's probably a favorite for a lot of lesbians out there. And it was done in the, when was that done? It was in the 90s, wasn't it? ages ago but yeah it is an older film but it's still gorgeous it still holds up it totally holds up awesome yay so what's your first one debs oh i love debs debs d period e period b period s period (laughs) that's 2004 so a lot of you know most of the films that i have on my list are actually fairly old um i don't know why that is but i guess you know there are good standards old standards that i go back to again and again and it's uh, it was directed by Angela Robinson and it was actually, I think it, you know, kind of was sort of a sleeper hit in that it was just a cute, fun, goofy movie in which a bunch of young women take a high school entrance exam. And as it turns out, they were actually being tested to see if they'd make good spies. So they end up in a spy program and it's just a total tongue in cheek spoof on what it would actually be like to be in a spy school. But it's super cute because one of the main characters falls for the female supervillain who turns out not to be as villainous as we all thought. Her rep precedes her. And they have like this really cute kind of romance going on while they're trying to like keep the facade of the supervillain. <laughs> it's just like the best film. I just watched it again the other day. I'm probably going to watch it again tonight because it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And they're so cute together with when they finally end up spending time together and it's just like the things that they're doing it's just like oh stop with the cuteness you guys you got to see this film because it's funny and it's meant to be funny it doesn't take itself seriously but the romance is just it's really really well done just takes you right back to when you were having like your first little flings and crushes and it was like oh my god stop with the cute just stop it so yes deb's is one of my all-time faves actually absolutely and if it wasn't on your list, it would have been on my list. Yay, we're on the same page. Woo! Great film, absolutely. Okay, my second film is Saving Face. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. This is a movie about coming to terms with yourself, even in a closed, very traditional community. It's the story of a young woman named Will, and she's a doctor. She's a surgeon, yeah. Where, where was that filmed? Was it, it was filmed in... Um... Manhattan. Well, it was set in Manhattan. Okay, and this is another 2004 film. If I re- and Alice Wu is the director. The stars are Joan Chen and Michelle Krusiak, and it's a super, super cute film because the surgeon has a very traditionalist mother, and but she's the surgeon is like in love with this woman, and you know, uh oh, tradition, <laughs> handing it back to you, Sheena. But that's exactly it. And so Will is caught between her overbearing mother and the woman she's in love with, and she has to make a choice. Does she let go of the love of her life in favor of living the traditional lie of being heterosexual, or does she actually tell her overbearing mother about the woman that she's completely in love with? I love this film. I think it's a great film, and it does have a happy ever after. For both couples, actually. 
They're so, but they're, I really like the way these two interacted as well, because, you know, there's kind of the uptight doctor person. And then there's like this sort of free spirited dancer and they're both coming from Asian backgrounds. So they have that in common, but they have very different personalities and the way they kind of like interact, I thought was so well done. As an aside, Alice Wu is actually going to be at Clexicon. Oh my God. And ah, fangirl. And she's also, um, this was based kind of on her coming out story. Huh. It's sort of inspired by her experience coming out as a lesbian. And so I, I'm pretty sure this film is close to her heart. <laughs> I'm just, you know, just guessing. But anyway, this was a great film. I'm really glad you picked this one. Loved it. It's a fantastic film. And I'm really sad that she hasn't directed anything since. Nothing of substance. So go to Clexicon and poke her and tell her. And she see Alice Wu. And see me. Oh, my God. Come on, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to be running around there going cray. Okay. Um, oh, is it my turn? Woo! Speaking of woo, I have a thing for I Can't Think Straight, which is a, t- again, it's an older film uh, in the great scheme of things, which is a 2008 film. And this was directed by Shamin Sarif, who I really, really like. And I chose this one over her other one. And I, I can't think of the name of that one, but you may know it. It's the one filmed in South Africa, which is a really intense look at a relationship, a mixed race relationship during apartheid. But this one I chose because I've seen it like three or four times and I just watched it again recently. And it's about a London-based Jordanian of Palestinian descent, Tala, and she's preparing for an elaborate wedding to a dude. But we find out that this is not her first rodeo, that she's kind of called off marriages with guys in the past. And of course, the audience is all like, well, girl, it's because you're gay. Come on, get with the program. But again, she's dealing with a very traditional family. And so she's doing what she thinks is the right thing to do for her family. But then she meets somebody, you know, this kind of like another woman who is also dealing with a very traditional family and lives in London. And she's on on her journey as discovering that she's actually a lesbian. And so they kind of like meet each other through mutual friends and there's some sparks. But Tala's not sure what to do. She's supposed to marry this guy and she doesn't want to marry the guy. And so it's like this kind of like journey of both of them separately, but also their journey to finding each other. And so I thought it was just a really well done film in that regard. I mean, again, it's not Oscar material, but the actresses had a lot of spark between them. And it was so much fun to just watch these two women get together and figure things out. And I love the different ethnic backgrounds that they negotiated with their families. So that's why this one's on my list. Mm. The director also wrote the book. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Good point. I love her, by the way. <laughs> I love her work. Oh, my God. Fangirl. <laughs> have you read the book? I have not. Have you? Mm-mm. Maybe we should read it. Okay. Sorry, Shamin. Okay. We kind of suck about that. All right, we're going to read the book. Okay, number three. Better than chocolates. Oh, that's a good one. I could argue that nothing is better than chocolates, but we all know that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> So this one's really about realizing that life takes unexpected turns. Mm -hmm. It's a sexy romp of love and lust with surprising results. Maggie is the main character and she meets the woman of her dreams, Kim, just hours before her mother and brother, Paul, move in with her. So the four of them end up sharing a loft and it's just 
it's a ridiculous and amusing and tears at your heart film. It's one of the few that, that manages the whole dramatic range, you know, the comedy elements, the strange and weird elements, the everything is in this movie. And the thing is, Maggie's mother doesn't know she's a lesbian. She <laughs> So there's these funny cute touches like Maggie works at a bookstore called Ten Percent Books, right? And and like the mother comes in there and she doesn't understand why there's these sorts of books here. But there's also then like a transgender character. Uh, yeah, it's a trans woman, I believe, yeah. who's a really good friend. Yes, that's right. The friendship between the mother and this trans friend is just, it's so beautiful in its own right. This movie has uh-huh. is just got a beautiful cast, an amazing set, subset of stories, and it's just, it's all beautiful and so worth watching. It is, and I like the uh, I like the trans character and that development of the relationship and between the trans character and the naive mom, and also how everybody's trying to kind of negotiate the the you know these different relationships without being open about them. And also the the bookstore, if I recall, had um, at the time th- there was a ban on alleged so called pornographic materials, and the bookstore was selling guides to safe sex. You know, this was like really messed up time period. This is, it takes place in Canada and the material, the safe sex material was, was obscene, was called obscene. And so there's a lot of discrimination and prejudice against the LGBT community. And so they have to like negotiate their, their relationships within that. And which is like, wow, you know, it's kind of messed up. So there's all these different elements coming together in this film. And it's, I love the. I just really like these characters and the kind of the grittiness of it. But like you were saying, the comedy aspects were so good. It was just like, oh my God, that's my life. Like <laughs> the way it was, why it played out. So, so yay. Good choice, Gina. Woo. What's your number three? Number three is, um, kiss me or in Swedish, kiss me. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced because I don't speak Swedish, obviously. That's a 2011 film. Again, my films are all a little bit older than, than... We need more new films, don't we? You know, I have a theory about that, but I think Hollywood has cut down the budget for films generally because of the uh. global recession, and so the films like lesbian films are just not getting made. Well, that just sucks. Kickstarter, you guys. Anyway, Kiss Me in English. It's a Swedish film with subtitles. This is actually one of... Um, it's kind of in my top 10 list right now. And I have a very fickle list because, you know, depending on my mood, I will watch whatever. Um, but this one just really got to me and it takes place. Um, it's in Sweden, obviously, duh. And it's about this woman. He was about to get married to a guy. I mean, again, it's kind of a trope, right? You know, oh no, the woman discovers that she's a lesbian at the last possible minute but she has this relationship with this guy they're both architects and so they're about to get married they just they're going to announce their engagement at her father's I think it's his birthday and so they go out there and his her father has just remarried this lovely woman kind of an artsy fartsy woman and her daughter is also sort of this artsy fartsy woman who teaches kids dance and it's just you know kind of this free spirit thing and the straight allegedly straight woman has not yet met her current stepsister and so they go to this birthday party and oh no sparks seem to fly 
between the two of them and the straight allegedly straight woman doesn't know what to do with that she's just like uh and dad decides that the three ladies should all spend time together to get to know each other and oh no more sparks fly (laughs) so you end up with this really awkward but beautiful love story between these two young women one of whom is already a lesbian and what's sad there is that she's she's actually with somebody but she falls deeply in love with her stepsister like it's just like boom it's like soulmate city you just see it happening and then we have the young allegedly straight woman who is probably bi and has been struggling with this and has is falling for this other woman and she's got this fiance who in a really intense emotional scene just freaks the fuck out when he finds out what's happening because she tells him and he just loses his shit and it was scary and it was heart-wrenching and it was just kind of brutal for a while and then the two of them just kind of like they grow apart then they come back together and they in the end scene you know that it's going to be okay but it's just a really gripping kind of story and I'm sure it's a story that a lot of people have actually dealt with but it was kind of interesting you know the stepsister (laughs) like boom you could just see the like Stepsister immediately knew, oh, she's the one. And it took our allegedly straight woman a little bit longer to figure it out, but it was clear that they were into each other. So it's a well-acted film. It's a very quiet film. The dialogue and the way they look at each other, there's so much conveyed in expression in this film, more so than just like talking. And so it just kind of grabs you and you're just like, oh God, what's going to happen? And you're so uncomfortable in some of the scenes, but then it ends up, turning out okay that's i that's why i like this film it's very gripping i need to watch this film oh you haven't seen it oh wow yes do it's fabulous just fabulous and the chemistry they have is a very quiet but good it's just you know sometimes you're just like it's so obvious oh yeah they're together but this one kind of you see it building and building and then it unfolds and you're like oh wow that was so well done. And then there's this background tension because, you know, she's got the fiance and this woman has the current partner. And of course, she's very devastated when she finds out what's happening. And it's just like, ah, drama. God, this is so painful. But you're so glad that they found each other, you know. So it's just like, wow, this is life. I'm sure lots of people have been in these kinds of situations. So, yes, watch this film. Do it. The World Unseen is the film that you were talking about earlier. It just came to me. Thank you. Yeah, the South African film. That's another really beautifully filmed movie, but it's it was a little too intense, I think, for my light, fluffy Valentine's Day. Okay, so number four on my list is Tipping the Velvet, which I know is not technically oh, yeah. a film. It's a miniseries, but... Go with it. We don't care. Do it. This is basically a coming-of-age story. This is based on the Sarah Waters novel by the same title. Personally, I prefer the miniseries to the novel, but it could just be that I watched the miniseries before I read the novel. Because that happens. Mm. Smitten by musical life and by the beautiful male impersonator Kitty Butler, Nan Astley, who's the main character, leaves her family's Whitstable oyster parlour and follows her heart to London. There she finds unimaginable joy and misery, and she explores the secret side, well, of lesbian life, really. She just kind of explores a lot of that secret stuff. I I like the book too, but I liked seeing it on screen as well. So, you know, sometimes what I do is if 
the two are different. The book and the movie are slightly different. And one kind of grabs me and one doesn't. Is like, I'll think of one as fanfic and the other as like the source material. So that's, I kind of looked at the movie as fanfic and the book as source material. And so that way I can enjoy each of them on their own merits. But a movie, TV series. Um, and again, this is an older one, Sheena. This was 2002. Oh, I know, but it's still great. It's still great. And it's it's such a well-done one. And the same guy who wrote, in fact, the same team who adapted this went on to adapt some of her other novels, and they just didn't do them justice the way they did this one justice. This one, they really thought about everything. I mean, if you if you watch it carefully, the cinematography and the soundtrack and the way things are shot, it's just so amazing because each chapter because there's three chapters each chapter is done very differently to show how she grows up and what the the general feeling of her life is at this point in her life it's a beautiful you're right and this was another one where so much could be conveyed in a look or an expression yeah and it's very intense there are these intense moments where you're just like <gasps> and then it's just like oh <laughs> so Good choice. I like this one. Yeah. So what's your number four? What's competing with tipping the velvet? <laughs> oh, the, whatever. Nothing can compete with that. All of these are just like, you know, do what you will with them, folks. You know, it's like, again, my lists shift and change. But these are ones that I really enjoy. And I was looking for kind of fun romance. Another oldie but goodie in my book is the incredibly true story of two girls in love. And that's... 1995 you guys Woo, we're aging <laughs> and this was you know the 90s had some really interesting things about it because you know we think of now being so open and oh yeah lesbian movies la 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 but this is 90 freaking five and there was like no hardly anything going on then and then there, then this movie comes out literally <laughs> like it burst out and it was like Oh my God, there's like lesbians on the screen. What in the hell is going on? But it's a love story between two young women who are in high school and they come from very different social and economic backgrounds. One is African-American and one is white. And the white girl is her, her mom is also a lesbian and they're from a working class background. They're poor. She's kind of the outcast at school. She hangs out with the gay guy and, you know, they're the little rebel clique. Meanwhile, the other young woman is Evie. So Randy's our, our white girl and Evie is our, is our African-American girl. Evie is, she is coming from a middle-class upbringing, educated, probably even a little bit of upper class. And, and so we have like a really interesting class reversal switch because usually in this country, at least, poverty is most associated with people of color and for good reason because in the, the racial history in this country sucks as well. But that's why I liked this, that it was kind of a switch in that regard. So we have an interracial relationship, an interclass relationship, and the two of them are at the same high school and they end up forming kind of this friendship and then a little bit more. And then they, the final, there's this, I don't even want to give the scene away because it's like, oh God, that is so high school. That is something I would have done if I had been busted. <laughs> but anyway, so the, it's just the two of them forming this bond and this relationship uh, against all odds, against all odds. And yet the final scenes, you know, you kind of think, yeah, I think it's going to be okay between these two and they'll go off to college and do whatever. But 
right now for the now here they are being cute together and and they have each other's backs and so that's why i like this film because it was such an angsty high school film and it was like kind of my story too like trying to figure out who the hell am i why do i like girls what the hell's happening and just seeing that unfold on the screen was amazing in 1995 and it's a it's just a cute a cute little film it's warm and fuzzy oh have you, have you seen it i love the title title for me is just the best yeah well it's i'm I, and i'm trying i was trying to figure out why the 90s had like you know bound that's a 90s film isn't it and then the incredibly true story the incredibly true adventures that's a 90s story and then there's some other really quite good lesbian films that were released in the 90s and that was really cutting edge then you just didn't see that happening and then there was like kind of this lull and then there was a whole bunch more in the early 2000s and it's like really interesting to me because in the 90s boy there wasn't a whole lot people were still coming out that was still a big deal I mean it, it still is obviously but back then it was a whole different kind of context a lot more money for movies so what happens when you have a lot more money for movies is you take a chance on the more sort of arty films or the films like fried green tomatoes like boys on the side those are all 90s films as well yeah you're right you're right kind of uh steel magnolias the more woman power movies there was a lot of that going on in the 90s as well man we need more of that we do and you know what i want to see though because a lot of our list is stories of women discovering that they're lesbian. What I want to see is I want to see an action film with an incidental lesbian. She happens to be a lesbian and she's going to go save the world. I want to see a that's a good idea horror with incidental lesbians. So I want to see what's happening in lesfic now happen in films. I'm going to name my next book the incidental lesbian. Thank you, Sheena. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. So my my last film and. Not at all the least. It's one of the sweetest and I think the newest film on my list. It's Imagine Me and You. And this is the story of discovering the difference between love and true love. Ah. A newlywed bride becomes infatuated with another woman who questions her sexual orientation, promoting a stir among the bride's family and friends. This is the blurb from Amazon. At the woman's wedding, which is where the thing starts, the chick who's providing the flowers for the ceremony meets the bride, and there's this kind of instant chemistry. And the bride can't deny that she has these feelings for this woman. And it's actually so funny because her husband pushes them together. No, you should be friends. Go make friends, and they make a little more than friends. <laughs> not what he intended. <laughs> not at all. Shame. <laughs> what I like about the film, though, is he's not the bad guy. He's never the bad guy. She's never the bad guy. It's just this kind of, it's really, it's this really bad situation. And Hector, heck, is such a lovely man. Such a lovely, lovely man. I just, oh, my heart just broke for him. And, but I was like, yay, she's getting together with the love of her life. Maybe. And then I was like, oh, poor Hector. Oh my God. And, oh, it was just. Oh, I just, I couldn't, and all the characters in this movie were just, I thought spot on. Even the, the little kid. She was so good. And she was like, had such a crush on Heck. And the two of them were like, just so cute together. Oh my God. And even the asshole friend that Heck had that was like pursuing Luce, the flower woman, was, you know, he turned out to be really supportive of his friend. And it was just like, oh, God, this was it was a bad situation for all of these people caught up in this drama. 
But the fact is that you can't stop your feelings for someone. And Heck recognized that. And he and he stepped back in a scene that makes me cry. Every time I see this movie, I cry for him. But then you watch Luce and Rachel, you watch them start coming together. And then the very final scene. So you guys watch past the end because there's a good final scene with Hector. And so then you, you realize it's going to be all right for him too. So, <laughs> but it was just... I loved, uh, I loved that all the characters, every single one of them got their happy ever after or their happy ending or their solution to whatever problem they were dealing with. There was a gorgeous synergy in the main plot line and all the subplots with it. There were some really poignant and magnificent moments with the most wacky dialogue like you're a wanker number nine you're a wanker number nine (laughs) so but it's like of all the dialogue to have as romantic dialogue right how genius is it to make it that that's so good you're absolutely right i hadn't thought of it that way but the dialogue was excellent i thought the characters were they their delivery was fabulous and they all had great chemistry though in the entire cast just worked because there was even drama between Rachel's parents. That was really poignant watching that unfold. And it was just, you know, it's this really deep stuff embedded in this kind of light, fluffy romance. And it just, it worked. It worked. That's one of my go-to movies as well. And it's, um, I think it's 2000, 2000. Wow. 2005. She, you know, I thought it was later. Yeah, me too. Hmm. Anyway, Great flick, y'all. Okay. And I know that, that you and I both kind of agreed on this one. This one makes my list, When Night is Falling. It's, again, a 1995 Canadian film directed by Patricia Rosema, and it takes place in Canada. And we have, again, kind of tropey. We have the uptight professor who is considering marrying her boyfriend, and but she's not like they're quite you know they have this relationship but you can kind of tell she's just like "Eh, what the hell ever and as you were alluding to the dog plays kind of a role in this because it's the dog becoming ill and sick that makes her realize that she loves this dog more than she loves her fiance so she's like what the hell am I doing and she ends up by chance meeting this other woman and this is another interracial relationship which I really appreciated But again, another trope, the artsy fartsy woman meets the uptight professor woman, right? And so, but anyway, um, she's a circus performer in town who does this really interesting stuff with, with just, you know, gymnastics and lights and it's just kind of cool. And she, Petra, the circus performer, immediately has a thing for uptight English professor. (laughs) Like, Like, it's like, boom. She's a theology professor. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. The theology professor. Which, yeah, she's teaching at a Christian college, which is like, makes all more baggage in her head about, you know, the gay. So <laughs> that's probably why she's been fighting it all these years. She ends up hanging out with Petra, the circus performer, because she, this woman fascinates her. Not only is she super hot, but it's also, there's something about her spirit that really attracts Camille to her. So it's, as we watch this unfold, and it's kind of a slow build, and we watch them get closer and closer, Petra, of course, making most of the overtures until finally theology professor realizes, oh God, I'm, I'm into this. I'm so into this. And I loved the cinematography because it was sort of this soft, intimate lighting. And then my opinion, but I thought the 
the love scenes and the kiss scenes between these two were phenomenal. Were just like blew the blew my hair right off the top of my head. It was like, oh, what? That's beautiful. It was like some of the most beautiful and gorgeous scenes of lovemaking and just really well done. And these two had a nice chemistry. Um, I'm kind of sad that they that they didn't do any other movies together because damn. But anyway, again, kind of tropey, but just a gorgeous film. Just beautiful the way it unspooled and the music in the background and the, the way they interacted. I consider it a gorgeous film. Absolutely. It was a very well thought out film. Everything was thought out. You could see everything. And what's not to love about running away with the circus? Exactly. And I had that thought towards the end. I was like, oh my gosh, she ran off and joined the circus. This is what this is doing. That's what she's doing. You go, Camille. Right on. <laughs> Take your theology prof self to the circus, girl. Come on now. <laughs> so that was, yeah, good, good, good times. Good times. It's a fantastic list. Now I want to be very naughty and just add a, a, a highly recommended, but not on my lists movie. Please. Go watch Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. And in fact, go read the book too, because both are phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Yes. The film concentrates a little more on the housewife, uh, Evelyn, and her story, whereas the book switches between three main story plots, which is Evelyn's story, Edgy's story, and then there's um, a guy that doesn't make it into the film, his story. I mean, this is a movie, it's about learning to live. This is what this film is about. A housewife who's unhappy in her life befriends an old lady in a nursing home and is enthralled by the tales she tells of the people she used to know. So she tells these tales about Edgy and Ruth. In the film, it's dialed back, but Edgy and Ruth are definitely a couple. But in the book, it's very clear that they're a couple. I mean, at one point, Edgy's dad sits her down and gives her a speech about how she needs to now be, you know, the provider to Ruth and she can't go and be the wild child that she's been up to that point. Both are brilliant and very different from each other, but excellent. And I love the way that the relationship built between Evelyn, he was played by Kathy Bates in the movie, and who hell, who the hell doesn't love Kathy Bates? I mean, come on. And so she meets this old woman who, she's a Threadgood, you know, that's the thing. Her name's Ninny Threadgood. And she tells her the story of Iggy Threadgood, the 1920s American South. And through Ninny and her stories, Evelyn learns how to become more assertive. And you watch that play out. So it's sort of a this a self-discovery movie as well through the relationships that you're developing with other people and Evelyn, you know, is having trouble in her marriage, but her relationship with with Nini kind of helps her like blossom as a person and as a woman and she becomes like more, you know, Tawanda. She becomes more of the Amazon that of her inner Amazon that she's always had. She just needed something to bring it out. So I love that aspect of it too. Not just the fact that there are these characters that were in a relationship together, but that it's a, it's a, a woman's journey to herself, which I thought was just a beautiful way to do it. Mm. And it's written by Fanny Flagg, and it's absolutely her best book. Oh, I loved I love the book. I love Fanny Flagg's book. So yay, good choice. Go Sheena. Do you have any more you want to sneak in before we go? Nope, that's it. That was it. I think that's enough for people to like have date night. Yes, have many date nights. They can have like 11 date nights in a row and watch a different movie each date night. I think it's important to have date nights with movies. Yes. That's how my lesbianism started. 
<laughs> it was a date night on a movie. <laughs> Desert Hearts, if you must know. <laughs> <laughs> you go, 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 go. That was my first girl kiss. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How old were you? Uh, 18. Very cool. Yeah. It was in college. So, yeah. It was a girl down the hall. Mm, so cute. <laughs> So we went to this movie together and it was inspiring. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. Annie, thank you very much for your time and for being a wonderful guest on the Lesbian Review podcast. Thanks, Sheena. Bye-bye. Bye, Sheena. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And you guys have a great time in South Africa. I know it's hot there. No, because I don't swear on my podcast. It's, it's, it's a you and Jove thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've corrupted Sheena, you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Feel free. It, it, because it is a situation. That, that's the best word for it.